Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Dirt Talk Monday edition. I'm your host, Aaron Witt, on a mission to make the dirt world a better place. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Horton. Hey, y'all. We are remote today. I'm sitting in the office. Um, oddly enough, I'm actually in Tennessee. I'm home. Alex is the one who's abroad. He's in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, but we are, you know, we've dialed in this remote recording setup now after doing it for a few times now. And, and I think we're, we're, we're in good shape today. Obviously, it's always better if we're in person. However, yes. sometimes you just got to make it happen. Like we were talking earlier, sometimes you just got a podcast. Sometimes you just got a podcast. The show must go on whether mm-hmm. we're here or we're not here. So that's what they say. Yeah, we're excited to be back with everybody once again. And that's that, man. That's a podcast. We'll wrap it up. All right. Thanks for <laughs> listening, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. Uh, before we jump in, uh, Aaron, you've got a bunch of travel that you did last week. I definitely want to hear about. But before we jump in, I do want to mention um, we are... I guess, technically in the second week of the Dirt Talk review contest that we've been doing here in September. Um, we've had a couple people leave a review and that's been really exciting. So I'll, I'll kind of lay out what, what we've been doing and um, what you get for leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. So the way it's going to work is each week, we're going to draw a winner of someone who has sent in a screenshot of their review. And each week, it'll be a winner from like that pool from that week. And the winner receives a $100 gift card to the BuildWit store. Everyone else who submits a review will get a discount code to the BuildWit store as well. So you kind of get something no matter what. Um, but this is just another opportunity for us to engage our listeners and hear what y'all think and what you might want to hear next. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and selfishly, it really helps us out. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, we... We don't make any money doing this. We have no advertisements. We have nothing. We don't really ask a whole lot of you other than keep on listening. And we hope you enjoy it and maybe send in a question or two every once in a while. Uh, So if you enjoy the Dirt Talk podcast, or if you've enjoyed any of the Dirt Talk podcasts, even just one episode, it would be a huge help if you left us a review. And if you leave us a review, you get something for it. We're not even asking you to give all that much. We're giving in return. So Please leave us a review. How long is this running for, Alex? How many more weeks? Uh, more? It'll be the entirety of September. So it's the entirety week of September. September. Yep. Okay, good. So if, if you're listening to this still in September, it's it's still going on. Yep. September 2021. So um, thanks, everybody, for for listening. And if you could leave us a review, we will so much appreciate it. Yep. And so all you got to do is, is you'll leave the review and then take a screenshot of your review. And, and email it to dirttalk at buildwit.com. I'll get it. And then at the end of the week, I will uh, collect all of them. And then I've got this real kind of fancy random number generator that I run and then pick, you know, whatever number that corresponds to with the email I got. And then that person will win the hundred bucks to the Buildwit store and everyone else will get a discount code to the store, which is pretty cool. So thanks y'all for listening. Thanks for engaging with us. Thanks for leaving reviews. We just kind of want to hear what you guys think. We We really appreciate that feedback. So thanks. Um, yeah, and, and Alex and I, once this is concluded, we will sit by the fire in October with maybe some mold wine or an old fashioned, and we'll <laughs> read them back and forth to one another so we can feel warm and fuzzy about what we're doing here. Mm, yes, yes, yes. That's assuming, me smoking a pipe. Assuming we get any. Yeah, yeah that's assuming true. Assuming we get any. That's true. So, um, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I just wrapped up a 
stupid week of travel. Mm-hmm. Y'all are stupid, all it was over. Just busy. Yeah. I, and I'm the one that does this to myself. It's self-inflicted pain, which arguably is the best kind of pain. You are also inflicting Matt Briscoe, but he's young enough. He doesn't care. It's fine. Uh, yeah. He, <laughs> he's not even 20 yet. It's he, cool. He, he can deal with it. Yeah. Yep. I no. he's, he's been a total trooper. I mean, he, I, I am so numb to everything now. I think it's normal. So someone like him who hasn't traveled all that much like this before, he's been keeping up and, and doing just fine. So I, I really appreciate everything he's doing. And the Build It vlog, we, we're still trying to get it to a normal cadence here, but it should be rolling. Um, and and you'll, be, you'll be able to see everything on YouTube that we just did. But we started the week, we flew uh, to Portland, Maine, Portland, Maine, um, to go see our friends at Sargent. And Sargent, fantastic business, build a partner, um, led by Herb Sargent and company, um, Tasha, Eric, they have just a wonderful leadership team all around. Uh, Sargent, they're a really cool business because they're a heavy civil contractor in a beautiful part of the country in Maine. And they do some work in New Hampshire, dabble in Vermont. They're, they have a, a Virginia division. Mm. So they, they, they do quite a bit of work in a significant region, but a lot of it is in Maine. Um, they do any kind of heavy civil work. So they'll do road work. They'll do landfills. They, the, the 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 work I went to was a combined sewer outflow type project. They'll take on anything heavy civil. And the, the most unique thing about them is they are 100% employee owned. So they changed from privately held uh, years ago to an employee stock ownership program. And that means that if you go to work at Sargent, you become a shareholder in that business. So if you start as a laborer when you're 18, by the time you wrap up there. If you retire there, you are going to have a pretty significant nest egg there beyond your retirement to take advantage of in those later years. Um, and it, it gives everybody a, a sense of ownership. The, the tenure literally there is incredible. <laughs> yeah, because they literally yeah. own it. The, t- the tenure there is amazing. Um, they're, they have so many people that have worked there for decades now. And the... The sense of the sense of ownership you can you can just feel it when you walk out to these these job sites. These people are very proud of what they do. They're very proud of their work. They're very proud of their company, and and that's because they have a piece of the company. and And it's important to say that they're they're one hundred percent employee owned, and everybody is eligible to participate in this program. There's a lot of companies out there that 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 are ESOPs and they talk it up. But not everybody's invited to the program. Not everybody's invited to the party. Um, Herb Sargent, he wanted everybody to benefit from this. And, and so whether you're an executive or a, a laborer or a truck driver or an operator or a welder, whomever you are in the Sargent organization, you're a part of that business. Um, so I, I, I just love love visiting them. I love seeing their work. It's really high quality work. The projects we saw in particular, we went to, like I said, that that CSO project for the city of Portland combined sewer outflow um, in an old city like Portland, Maine. What they did was they combined the sewer and, and stormwater. So the sewer from each home, each old building goes into the same place that the stormwater goes. It's combined. 
Now, all of this traditionally is treated at the water treatment plant before it's either discharged in the ocean or it's, it's used as reclaimed water. The problem is when it rains, a lot of stormwater collects and the treatment plant cannot keep up with that increased flow rate. Mm -hmm. So what happens is there are overflows in which it overflows. And in, in, in this case, it overflows into the small bay that they have right next to the city of Portland. That, that clearly presents a problem because you're flushing sewage into the bay, into the ocean, into where sea creatures live and where people recreate. Problem. So what they're doing is they're building these massive tanks that no one will know about underground, one's under a soccer field, one's under a road, that during storm events, that water can collect in. And as the treatment plant treats the water, it draws down from those tanks and can take on treating the entirety of that water over a longer period of time than just the rain event. So that's what's going on is they're building these massive tanks right next to the interstate in one area. And then across the bay, they're building these super, super neat box culvert, long, long tanks underneath a roadway. And first they are, um, they have to do some utility work. So when I was there, they weren't placing the box culverts yet, the precast boxes yet. Uh, but they did have a, a 390 out there digging through blasted rock to place new pipe underneath the ground, which was spectacular. Mm -hmm. uh, very challenging because you're digging through rock. You're next to fancy houses. They had historic trees lining both parts of the road that they couldn't disturb. So the guy in the 390, poor guy, I mean, every time <laughs> he turned around, he had to raise raise his stick and boom all the way up to, Just get, to turn. get around the trees. Yeah, the historic trees. It was It was a real treat to see. So they have those two projects and those will be going on for a while. I'm really excited to see them in, in, a, in a later phase. Uh, we, we we visited those projects with Herb, which were great. Um, spending time with Herb is always, always a treat. And I know Herb is a frequent listener to the Dirt Talk podcast. So hello, Mr. Herb. Um, we then went up to a landfill project uh, further north of there where they were making way for some new cells. They were stripping material, stockpiling it somewhere to make way for a, a new series of cells in this landfill that hopefully they'll also be able to construct uh, down the road. And then we went south and visited another landfill project in which they were wrapping up a recently completed new cell, a monster cell for this very, very large landfill in New Hampshire. So it was it was a really good trip with Sargent. I, I really enjoyed seeing them. I always enjoy seeing them. And of course, I had my lobster. Every time I go to Maine, I need to have a lobster. So I had my lobster dinner. Um, yeah, it was just a wonderful trip, or a wonderful visit. And if you're looking for a job in Virginia or Maine or New Hampshire, I highly recommend looking up Sargent because they're, they're, they're quite the outfit. Well, in addition to that, they've got their training program too. You know, so if you don't have experience, yeah. it's not, you know, that's a good I mean, thing. we don't... We don't want to give them too much free airtime here, but I could go on and on and on and on about their, yeah, their Sergeant Academy, their training efforts, their technology, their equipment, their Wimmer buckets. Yeah, I, 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 there's a lot to talk about with Sergeant, but um, if you want to learn more, just look them up. I think it's Sergeant, 
us is their website. So check them out there. Um, after we wrapped up with Sergeant, we went to visit a friend of mine, Tom Gardaki, Mr. Dirt Ninja and company at New Era Excavation. Tom has been on the podcast. Pat has been on the podcast. Pat and Allen. Pat Allen. Yes, sir. Uh, and we saw them digging up somebody's yard to, to put in a <laughs> water service with the new 335 complete with NCON and grade control. Uh, what a beautiful machine it was. So saw them. Uh, it, it's just, it's a lot of fun visiting smaller contractors for me. And, and just, they're just great, great, great people. Um, new era. So, so checked them out. They're in like Derry, New Hampshire, I think it is, is the town they're in and the surrounding areas. So we saw them stop by SJ Cantwell, uh, saw one of their sites, met, met Mr. Steve in, in the SJ Cantwell crew there. Uh, what an awesome company. They signed up as a BuildWit founding member. Yeah. So we're really excited to have them on board in the BuildWit world in a, in a small way. Hopefully we get to work with them down the road. And they were mobilizing their 385 the next day. Unfortunately, we missed that. Um, Wednesday, we drove down to Boston and woof. This was one of the coolest experiences of BuildWit so far for me. And that was because we, we spent time with Great Lakes, Dock and Dredge, viewing their Lee Bear 996 New York Dredge, dredging the Boston Harbor. It was spectacular. And I thought, I thought they were going to be particular because it's a big company. It's publicly traded, this and that. And my experience with those companies has been, you know, they're pretty buttoned up and you can only do this. You can only do that. You can kind of go on the standard tour, but I was blown away with how friendly everybody was and how welcoming they were and how open they were about sharing everything that was going on and wanted to make sure we got the, the most spectacular experience we could. And I, I was just amazed by everybody we talked with was so open and friendly and excited about having us there. So it was, it was a absolute treat to see this dredge. They were dredging, uh, what, what the, at the bottom of the Boston Harbor, there's all these rocky areas that stick up a little bit. And so they're trying to get it all at a consistent elevation so that these really big container ships and cruise ships can get into the Harbor at any tide level. Um, so they were only taking a few feet off the bottom in specific locations, but man, I mean, a Lee Bear 996 mounted on a barge, uh, seeing the the systems they have to, to figure out where the heck they need to dig, 25-yard bucket on there, cable-assisted as it comes out of the water. Ah, it was so cool. And then we got to go on their drill boat where they have three different drills, drilling underwater, loading explosives underwater, blasting underwater, which I did not know was a thing, but we got the full soup to nuts um, experience on the drill boat. Got to see every little bit about how they drill and load these holes, which was absolutely fascinating. So huge shout out to Great Lakes Dock and Dredge because they went above and beyond for us out there. And I had so much fun checking out what they had going on. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing other Great Lakes operations. So that was Wednesday. Um, saw our friend Nick at NS Builders. We got to go to a fancy house he was working on or is working on in, in Boston. So that was awesome. Another um, Nick's been on the podcast. Yeah, another Dirt Tech alumni. 
Yeah, we 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 made the rounds. Um, Thursday, we got to go see J.R. Vinagro working on Waltham High School, a new high school, Waltham, Massachusetts. They had their 6015 out there. They had a PC 1100. They had 988 loader, 982. It, wow, was that a cool project? Um, hundreds of thousands of yards of rock export, export. So they're putting it all in dump trucks and putting it all over the road and shipping it all over the town. I, I've never seen a project like that before for a high school. Uh, so that was really cool. So thanks to JR Vinagro. Um, I hope we can see some of their other work down the road. We then drove down to Brooklyn where we saw Perfetto contracting. Um, saw, saw some work in Manhattan for the first time ever. I've never actually seen construction work up close in Manhattan before. So mm -hmm. that was a treat. Uh, what they have to deal with to build things in Manhattan is absolutely insane. So we saw some of that. We went outside of the city a little bit, looked at some paving, and then we went over to see our friends at Pasilico uh, in their their wash plant where they take contaminated dirt on Long Island, literally wash it and sort it into aggregate that they sell then back to the market uh, with very, very little waste. So that was crazy. Uh, put that on my stories and I was blown up by everybody asking all these damn questions about it. Um, so hopefully we get to see more Pasilico down the road too. It was just, man, it was, um, it was an action packed trip from Sunday to Friday. We were all over the place, seeing some really good stuff, meeting some great people. Do you, and are you driving that whole trip? Like a trip like yeah, that? This one, this one was probably 800 miles of driving in, in the five days, mm -hmm. which like, it was it was quite a bit of driving and quite a bit of sitting in traffic because sure. everybody that drives <laughs> in the northeast knows that nothing happens quick in the northeast. Yeah, you've got no not got no choice if you're going through Boston or Manhattan for sure. Yeah, but I um you know, I I Manhattan is not really my thing. Yeah. I'm not a big city guy, but I'm excited to potentially check out more work in Manhattan because it is so specialized, so unique, so tedious that I really, really appreciate it now and, and appreciate it at a much higher degree than I did before. And appreciate, it's like a, like a subculture there of blue collar folks that work in Manhattan and Boston. And it's just like a, they're blue collar, they work hard, but they have to deal with this different level of difficulty. Yeah. Uh, and and they just have a different, just a slightly different attitude that I I really respect and appreciate. So hopefully we get to spend more time up there soon. Yeah, that'll be fun. I feel like every kind of week long trip that you do always has, you know, you always say like, "Wow, that was really special," and that really stood out. But I think what's, I think this one especially was that you posted um, a couple pictures of um, that dredge on that barge. I had never seen anything barge mounted like that before. Like that was nuts. Yes. I I have never seen dredging before. So this was my first dredging experience. And of course, I ruined dredging for myself by going to see the biggest yeah. excavator <laughs> dredge in this, you know, in this part of yeah. the world. Um, it's not gonna get a whole lot cooler than that. Um, but yeah, I I, I really want to see more dredging down the road. It's it's something that I was talking to Great Lakes. 
and they're they're of course they need they need people they need great people like any company in the dirt world mm. mining they need people but mining they have this negative perception working against them and that's you know mining's not all that popular in society right now in in America and it's because of a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding uh, but they're kind of they're they're kind of battling uphill whereas dredging people just don't even know it's a thing people don't even know it exists it's just it it happens out in the harbor and you never think about it and yet everybody depends on it because we all depend on goods shipped over the water overseas on cargo ships in containers everybody depends on that and yet no one thinks how that actually happens and dredging is a big big component of that and a big component of our economy so i really hope there's other opportunities to work with them down the road because i think we could tell some pretty cool stories around this whole dredging and, and marine construction world that people don't know exists plenty of dirt in the ocean there's a lot of dirt it's all dirt and rock yep. i even got a piece of the bottom of the Boston Harbor. Cool. It's now on my desk. Did it have yeah. tea on it? Or do you think the, uh, the Boston no. Tea Party has washed away by this point? Damn it. I should have asked them if they have found any crates of tea. That would have been a <laughs> stupid Boston joke. Yeah. They'd be like, yeah, we've heard it a million times. You're like, okay, well. <laughs> a missed opportunity. Yeah. I'll, I'll email them. Hey, <laughs> I forgot to ask you a question. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ask anything. <laughs> like, Aaron, we're working. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> Beat it, kid. We've got a couple questions, Aaron. Great. Let's dig into them. First question is from Nolan. Was your pun intended? It always is. I feel like I often say stuff like, let's dig into it. Not intending a pun. But now I feel like maybe it, it's just like too ingrained. Let's just, yeah, let's just say all dirt puns are intended on the Dirt Talk podcast. Yeah, it's just part of the language. Let's standardize it. I love it. Okay, first question cool. from Nolan. What is your opinion on companies that have a no media policy? None of the work is confidential as it's in the public eye, but you still get your wrist slapped if you're caught snapping a picture of the piece you're running, even though you are just proud to be doing what you're doing. Uh, I think a no media policy nine times out of 10 is very antiquated and it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Um, we live in a world where everybody has a, has a, a camera, everybody has social media. It, it, <sighs> Like I haven't been allowed to post pictures of job sites in which I've seen already hundreds of pictures of online. <laughs> yeah. it, it, you wouldn't have gone people, if you hadn't seen a single picture. No, you'd, you'd just be so much better off saying, hey, we trust you to post good looking photos of the operation. We get it. If you're proud, you want to share it. That's okay. But just make sure that you're being smart about it. And miraculously, if you trust people, you think they're going to be smart about it. 99% of the time, you're going to have that 1%. You're not going to eliminate that 1%. 99% of the time, it's going to look really good. And what's that going to help you with? Well, it's going to show that your people are proud of what they do. It's going to help you with recruiting. It's going to help you with retention. It's going to help you with internal communication. It's going to help in general. And so these companies that, that have these, they're just, they're just archaic. They're, they're, they're archaic policies that don't really apply in 2021. And I, I, I understand if you're working at a nuclear facility, okay, I get it. No pictures. Yeah, sure. Inside of a data center, okay, I get it. No pictures. But most job sites out there are totally public domain. And odds are pictures are already on the internet about that job site at any given time. So if you give people trust 
if you give people respect, if you allow them to share their pride and share what they do with others, you're going to see a lot of positive benefits to it for your company as a whole. Um, so I don't want to criticize too harshly because I have in the past and it hasn't gone super well. Uh, but if you are someone with a no media policy, I would highly recommend you reevaluate because you're only screwing yourself. Um, that's the short of it. And I know lawyers love a no media policy because it helps from a liability standpoint, but it's hurting your business more than it's helping you. I know that for sure. And it's like, you know, my dad's a lawyer and we've had this conversation. If I, if I heeded all of his advice, I would have never started a company, you know, uh, you know, lawyers, they're, they're, they, they're very valuable. You need them. They provide a service They give you counsel, but you can't get rid of that liability. And like I've always said, if you trust people, if you don't think you're going to get screwed, amazingly enough, you don't really get screwed. But if you don't trust people, you have a no media policy, you fire people for posting pictures on the internet, it's going to bite you in the ass more than if you have an open media policy. And it's counterintuitive, but I completely believe that to be true. You you brought up a couple examples of um, reasons why that the like no media policy would be really restrictive in a way that makes sense. Talking about like a data center or a, a nuclear plant or something like that. With a more like public facing project, is there like a real reason why it would make sense to not allow that? Or is that more of just like a, I don't want to put any words in anyone's mouth. Is that more of like a form of control or you feel like what you're doing is proprietary and maybe it's not really, but it feels that way? It's a, it's a lot of understand. things. Uh, you know, they're all legitimate reasons. There could be, well, sure. this, this doesn't look very good or safety concerns or it could be perceived in the wrong way or this is proprietary. When I, I promise you, and I, to preface this, I am a stupid 26-year-old. I go to a lot of job sites. I have almost never seen something proprietary in this industry. Ever. And all of those reasons, even if they're good reasons, I still still don't justify it. There's still, like, it's time this industry talks about what we do. We have a workforce problem. And that's because people don't know about what we do. And that's because other people have controlled the narrative. And other people have said, blue collar work sucks. Use your brain. Go to college. And they've, 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 they've spoken for us. And we haven't said anything as a result. That's why we're here. It's time to talk about what we do. It's time to empower people to talk about what they do. Blue collar people, extraordinarily proud of their work. Give them the the ability to share that with the world. You'll be amazed what that does for your culture and what that does for your recruiting and what that does for your retention. What's your biggest problem right now? It's people. This is probably one of the quickest ways to help with the people, the people problem. Agreed. I mean, I think that's a big part of, you know, where BuildWit came from in a lot of ways. You just wanted to, obviously, you were starting just taking pictures of equipment and job sites. But like a big thing of what we do at BuildWit is we focus on telling stories of the industry. And if, you know, it's, you feel like you got to like close up what your story is, that's just not 
good way to get people kind of on board with what you do. No, and it's like, how, how did I start BuildWit? I started by standing on the side of a road and taking pictures of, of equipment or using my drone, kosher or not kosher. I used to do it. And I would take pictures of construction operations and I'd put the construction operations on the internet with no permission. I was just some punk ass kid with a drone. And now every kid has a drone. Your job sites are out there. No matter how remote they are, they're out there. They're out there. And so it's better to just say, okay, we're going to accept that as a reality. That information flows extraordinarily freely. We're going to make sure everything is buttoned up from a safety side of things so that no one can catch us doing something wrong, you know, creating a really strong safety culture so that I'd be okay with me taking pictures of a job site at any point in time because I know it's going to be looking buttoned up. I know there's going to be good housekeeping. That's like a, uh, like our partners, they, they don't get nervous. Most of them anyway. They don't get nervous about photos. And yeah, some some want to approve stuff. That's fine. I get yeah. it. I get the big, the big stuff, uh, the big contractors. But at the same time, it's like your stuff's already out there, guys. It's already out there. I hate to say it, but I could show you twenty examples of this specific job site that you don't want out there already on the internet. Everybody, it's it's already there. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I could go on and on and on and on about this, and I I want to be as respectful as possible to people because I know this still isn't a very common thing in the industry, but this is where the world is headed and we are trying to lead the charge because it's very important that the industry gets on board with this. This is a big deal. This is a big deal if we are to make sure that we have the workforce we need long-term. Thanks, Aaron. All right, last question. It's from Evan. Evan, as an owner-operator of a small excavation and landscape company, I'm struggling to place my team members in the roles where they really shine. What are some strategies I can use to focus in on each one of their strengths and place them within the company accordingly? This is something we've definitely struggled with too. Mm -hmm. um, and when we've got it right, it, it goes very, very well. And when you, you don't have it right, it, it's very frustrating. Um, one, you have to have patience with people. And you have to give them a shot. And if it's not working out, it's not necessarily because they suck or whatever it may be. And maybe, you know, if someone at our company was, was not living according to our values very blatantly, okay, we're not going to have a whole lot of patience for that. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna be pushed away pretty quick. But maybe they're just not performing. And, and so rather than saying, wow, this person sucks, let's get rid of them. We've asked ourselves, well, where could we put them where they, 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 they might do better? Or how have we failed them? How have we not given them the resources and guidance they need to be successful here? So, so that's one, is just be patient with people. Two is, you'd be amazed at how just having a conversation with someone about what they're good at, what they like, will be extraordinarily enlightening. We just had this recently where someone was saying, you know, they... They've been in this role. We've figured that they just do this, uh, but they've been frustrated by it because they know they can do something else a lot better. But we had never really had that conversation. And we had that conversation. Well, where do you think you could add even more value? Well, I could do it over here. Okay, let's figure out how to get you over there. And maybe it's not going to be tomorrow, but people know 
what they're the, they're good at. People know what what gets them excited. Have that conversation with them. Just t- just talk with them. What do you what do you really like? Where do you want to go? What 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 what's fun about what you do? What do you hate about what you do? How do you get them to do more of of what's fun? So conversation is a, is a great great way to start and great place to go. So that's I'd say two three. Man, just observation. Um, just you as a leader, you need to take the time um, to just just watch people, be with people, get to know people, um, understand your team. You know, it, it's easy, especially as the owner of a company, to just get so bogged down by all the business stuff. And if you're just working in the business and just slogging away, and you're just all over the place seven days a week. You can't truly spend the time on observing your people, learning about them, and and getting to know them, so that you can make sure that you're putting them in the right place as well. Mm-hmm. So I'd say those are at least that's what I've learned. Um, I've I'm very inexperienced in what I'm speaking about right now, but I do have some experience, and and so I'm just speaking on on my experiences. Is be patient. Um, we've let people go too fast, and and that. It's not necessarily a regret of mine, but it's a lesson we've learned. Um, two, having conversations with people about what they're good at, where they want to go, what they've done in the past, extraordinarily valuable. Three, slowing down and just getting to know people and observing people and thinking about you know what they're good at and maybe looking for what they don't even see because you're that outside uh, perspective. And then having a conversation about it, hugely valuable as well. I think that I'm I'm certainly a good example of that in our our business. Um, you know, we've we've talked a, a couple of times that I worked on websites for my first year at BuildWit before I started working on the podcast, and I think that was definitely one of those. Um, you know, you and I never had a conversation on where I feel like I should you know be or where I should go, but it was sort of like, oh, Alex does some of these things. Maybe he'd be a good fit, and we kind of had like that conversation afterwards. It was like, oh, this actually makes a ton of sense for us. And so I think what's maybe tough about like those conversations is, you know, you you do have to be really really intentional about them. And I, I think um, our, our company's definitely getting better at that, but we still haven't like perfected, you know, how do we shuffle each person to the right place all the time? You know, like that's just we're not perfect at that yet. Yeah, and and you know, with the small business, we're we're still very much a small business. Yeah. Um, you also you can't always get someone in the right spot immediately. Uh, and, and sometimes you need to convey that to them and ask, ask for their patience and say, okay, understood. You want to go here. We'll get you there one day and we'll create a path in which you can get there, but it's going to, it's going to take some time and I need your help to get there. They're going to get bought in on it. And you're, you're a good example too. Cause it's, if we, if we just assumed that you were just Alex, the web developer, and we knew nothing about your audio background, your music background, you would have never even come to mind for the podcast business. Yeah. But because we knew about this, this, this background that you had before, this, this passion that you have for, for audio, the, the, your, 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 your musical talents, uh, because we knew that when we were thinking, well, we need someone for the podcast, you were, you were top of mind. Okay, fantastic. And then that prompted that conversation that we had initially. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? But if, if we hadn't known that, if we would have just assumed that you're just Alex, the developer, 
this would have never happened. And what's funny is also, I think if that role had been filled and I never like heard anything about it, I probably would have been pissed. Even though like I, I hadn't done anything to put it out there. You know yeah. what I mean? But it'd be yeah. like, well, why didn't they think of me? Regardless of if I had ever told anyone about it, you know? And, and again, that was a conversation I had recently in our, in our business. It's, uh, you know, we hadn't been utilizing someone based on what they were good at and what their experience was. We just assumed they, they did this and they were, they, they were, it was, it was really bothering them because it's like, man, I can do so much more. But until, until they, they explained that we didn't, we didn't understand that. And now that was, that was our fault from a leadership standpoint, because we should be doing a better job talking to everyone within our business and having these conversations more frequently to get to know, and especially just coming into the business, what have they done in the past? What could they bring to the table? What do they enjoy? Where do they want to go in their careers? We could do a better job with that, that discussion that we should be the ones starting that. But it was because we just didn't know our intentions are pure, but we, we had no idea. Now that we know it's like, great. I think we can make this thing work out pretty damn well. So it's an imperfect science. And, and the reality is too, sometimes people just don't work inside of a business. We've had that yeah. too. It's, hey, like it's, it's so easy for me to sit here and say, it's not personal because I'm the guy and I'm not going anywhere and I'm on the other side of the table. Um, but it's really not. And, and it's, it's really not. It's just that, hey, this just doesn't work for either party. And... There's just no, there's no path to get you to where you want to go and us to where we want to go. So it's better to just part ways where we're at too. That's a reality of growing a business is you can try to get the right people on board. You can try to get them in the right seats, but maybe you're a small business and you don't have a ton of time and a ton of money to be patient with people. Okay. Like maybe you have to make some of those hard calls, but do as much as you can with what you have first before you, you go in that direction. Uh, thanks, Evan, for reaching out. That's a, a great question. And the best book I've read on this subject is called Everybody Matters. I could not recommend it more. It reframed how I think about people and how I lead people. Um, probably more so than any other book I've ever read. Who's the author? Is that Chapman? Did I make that up? Um, uh, it's Bob Bob Chapman. Bob Chapman, yep. Look at that. Look at that. Cool. Well, thanks for talking about that, Aaron. And thanks, Evan, for reaching out. Uh, I think that's a podcast, man. A remote podcast. That's a podcast, everybody. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you have any other questions or feedback for us, guest suggestions, send it to dirttalk at buildwit.com. If you have reviews, send those to buildwit or dirttalk at buildwit.com. And we will see you on the next episode. Stay dirty. Thanks, y'all.